You know, the Christmas story's got a very strange twist in it because it wasn't meant to happen in Bethlehem. Bethlehem has achieved incredible prominence in the world purely by accident. Mary and Joseph didn't live there. They lived much further north in Nazareth. That's where the angel Gabriel had spoken to Mary and told her of this miracle that was going to happen. That's where she experienced the first signs of pregnancy. That's where Joseph, her fiancé, heard in a dream God speak to him and said, Don't worry about what's happening to Mary. The baby inside her is the son of God and you're going to have to uh, be the stepfather to this child. It was in Nazareth that everything was going to happen. That was the place where this child was due to come into the world. But the government intervened. The Roman Empire decreed that it was time to assess all their citizens for taxation. And so they sent an edict to the local ruler, who we know, King Herod the Great, and said, in Judea, in your territory, and in Galilee, and all these other areas, we must have a registration process for all adults and every uh, adult male and uh, every adult female, and the age of adults for females was 12 in those days. They need to register for taxation purposes because we're going to tax them. We, they tax them on individual um, uh, people, poll tax. But the local ruler, King Herod, said, we'll do it the Jewish way. And the Jews always do things a little bit differently than everybody else. And they said, King Herod said, right, we're going to register people in their tribal home, the place of one of the tribes of Judah, that they, one of the tribes of Israel that they come from. Every Jew knew which tribe they belonged to. The only problem was they, uh, Joseph and Mary both belonged to the tribe of Judah. And their ancestral home wasn't Nazareth. It was Bethlehem. And as the edict came through and Joseph received the news in Nazareth, Mary was already pregnant and he realized that the date of the census, very specific date, probably in around a week, a period of time, fell in very late pregnancy for his fiancée, Mary. So he was faced with this incredible problem. He had to leave home, leave the family, leave his friends, leave his carpentry business, and travel with Mary across the country as the crow flies 70 miles, probably 90 miles because of the way the roads went. And we know how they traveled on foot and on a donkey. All the Christmas stories tell us about that. But he had to take her on this journey in very late pregnancy, a time of high risk. She could have had the baby on the journey. Where are they going to stay for the three or four nights that they would have to be traveling along this journey before they got to their ancestral home in Bethlehem. And all these things are flooding through Joseph's mind. And what's going through Mary's mind, is, it's unimaginable to think. That you put this woman who's maybe eight or even nine months pregnant through this uh, bumpy journey, this uncomfortable journey with a, with a threat that the baby's going to be born literally on the road. 
What would Mary be feeling? She's already had this tremendous shock to deal with, this tremendous responsibility, this tremendous new destiny, a new life to come to terms with, and now they've got to travel this terrible journey to go to Bethlehem merely to go to the registry office. And because these censuses only took place about once every 10, year and beca- 10 years, and because Mary was probably about 18 or 19 or 20 years old, this would be the first time that she would be registered as a taxpayer. So Joseph would realize that his tax bill as the head of the family was going to double as soon as he arrived and registered in Bethlehem. So he's got a baby he didn't expect, a marriage date that's, that's advanced, a huge responsibility, the role of being a stepfather, and now doubled his tax bill. And we complain about the government messing us around. That was really serious. And by the way, he wasn't the only person facing this, because as they traveled to Bethlehem, the Christmas story doesn't tell us, but what was going on behind the scenes is that thousands of other Jews were crisscrossing their country to get to the right place to register on the road. That's what was going on in Israel at the time. And so as they arrived in Bethlehem, the first priority is accommodation, and we know the story of the manger. The second priority is to get to the registry office. And the third priority is to make Mary as comfortable as possible and to find a way of just making this incredibly difficult birth, or apparently difficult birth, easier, away from family away from home, away from home comforts, away from support and none of the modern medical facilities that we might have expected, not even necessarily a Jewish midwife at hand because nobody knew about this baby except them. So we need to picture Joseph and Mary as two very tired and vulnerable people as they awaited the birth of the baby they'd registered, and how long was this baby going to be? Should they make the journey back home, or should they wait in Bethlehem? What happens if Mary gives birth on the way home? These were the real issues that they were facing. And every day costs money. Accommodation costs money. Joseph was shelling out money all over the place. But God was merciful, and very shortly after registering, the baby came, and so here they are with the newborn baby, in a town that they don't frequent, with people they don't know, in very uncomfortable personal situations with this beautiful child who's been born, but emotional, tired, perhaps feeling a bit lonely and isolated. And that's the significance, by the way, of the story of the shepherds. Because God was merciful to them. Not only had he made an incredible revelation in Nazareth in Galilee, but to a completely different group of people, the shepherds on the hillside, whose job was a 24-7 job, and they, they slept out with the sheep. They put the sheep in the fold overnight, and they slept on the hills. It's to them that the angels appeared and revealed to them that an incredible miracle was taking place in their very own sleepy little village. Only two or 300 people lived in Bethlehem at the time on that very day. And so picture the impact, often forgotten in the Christmas story, of what it would have meant to Mary and to Joseph when in the, manger, in the, in, in the stables, with a baby in the manger, suddenly there came 
a knock on the door and some rough guys from nearby, shepherds, said, have you just had a baby, ma'am? And quickly saw the baby and said, you'll never believe what's happened. We've been guided miraculously to come here. We, we just need to encourage you and tell you we know the significance of this baby. Because the angels told us. What encouragement that would have been to Mary and Joseph. So tired, so stressed. Let's really be human about it. Under so much pressure. Reassured in their hearts that they were doing the right thing, but feeling so separated from their family and their home. And so many emotions come to mind and come to our hearts. As a baby is born, as many of you as parents will know, the tears come quickly. That longing for connection with other people is so great. What would Mary have felt about wanting her mother to be there? But she wasn't there. And yet the shepherds were. They came to encourage them that this wasn't a dream. It was really true. And this really was this baby that they could look at and watch sleeping was the Son of God. Suddenly, God had broken into the world. And this is the essence <coughs> of the Christmas story, so well known to us, almost too well known in our culture. Some people can recite the carols and the Christmas readings because they've heard them all the way through their lives. And yet behind them lies an incredibly powerful and moving, and what I want to communicate to you tonight, a very human story. Two incredibly ordinary people, a carpenter and a young girl, no more than a teenager, who is the center of this story. Mary is the center of the story, quite rightly. But looking at it through Joseph's eyes, you see the stresses and the pressures and the uncertainties and the responsibilities all mixed together as they're traveling down the road and as they stay in Bethlehem just those few days. And so they must have been thrilled when these shepherds knocked on the door and said, we know as well, and encouraged them. And yet sometimes in life, familiarity breeds a certain contempt, a certain indifference. We know it so well. But what does it really mean, this incredible event? Can it just be couched in modern sentimentality and gift culture? Or can we get back to the true and fundamental meaning. And what I want to encourage you to do tonight, as you gather in this carol service, especially if you are not so familiar with the life of living faith, <clears throat> and you're not a regular part of a, of a church community, can I encourage you to think afresh about what lies behind this Christmas story? 
Sometimes we can tick the box and say, yeah, yeah, I believe all that story. But not necessarily understand the implications of it. It's a bit like some people who support football clubs in a rather casual kind of way and say, they'll always say, yeah, I support them. Yeah, I support them. And, you know, I've been thinking about myself. I, I kind of support two different football clubs. And one is our local club here, Shrewsbury Town Football Club. And I've been watching them very occasionally for decades, most of my adult life. But if you ask me some searching questions about how they've been playing recently, who's the top scorer, how the manager is doing, where they are in the league, you know, you'd find that some of those things I don't really know, actually, to be honest. Because if the truth is known, I'm a fair weather supporter. And I love to go to the big games when there are big clubs here. So if they ever get, get drawn against one of the premiership clubs, you'll be certain I'll try and get a ticket. I certainly did when Liverpool came a few seasons ago and I was there cheering them on. And you might have thought I was an absolute fanatic for Shrewsbury Town Football Club, but I wasn't seen for the next 12 months. I was a fair weather supporter. I go for the high days and the holidays. And that's how some people view Christianity. Yes, they're an Easter and a Christmas Christian. But if you ask me about the premiership club that I support, which is West Ham United, then you'll find that there's a very animated conversation comes out. And I can tell you that I had a very painful experience even midweek this week when they lost 2-0 to Arsenal. And I can tell you that they've beaten Chelsea and Liverpool 3-2 on each occasion at the London Stadium. And I was cheering, saying, fantastic, because those are two of the biggest clubs in the Premiership. And I can tell you that they've beaten Man United and Man City in the EFL Cup. And I can tell you that in the Europa League, they, they're into the knockout section. They've done better in Europe than they've ever done before. Why am I telling you all those things? Because I believe in them. I believe in that club. I'm emotionally connected to that club. I suddenly realize something's gone on inside me. It matters to me what happens to that club. I actually feel an emotional response whether they win, draw, or lose every week. Many of you know what I feel. Not necessarily for my club, but that's your problem. <laughs> but you know, things you, that you really engaged with, you live for, you kind of connect to, and Christianity isn't a Christmas and Easter religion. It's a 24-7 way of life where we can connect to God through Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit every single day of the year. And he can make that difference. So I want to invite you, if you're looking in tonight, either on Zoom or here in the hall, to go a few steps down the road of making that connection, the first thing you can do is to take this excellent booklet, Why Christmas Away Explains the Meaning of Christmas Beautifully, or as Dave said earlier on, you can join up in the Alpha course that we'll be running in the new year. So thanks ever so much for listening. Enjoy your Christmas, and God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight. <laughs>